Rinkwide Vancouver. An awful lot has gone their way so far this season, but in the final game of the calendar year, the Vancouver Canucks fell flat against Philly. 4-1 Flyers was the final. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Jeff Patterson joined once again by Irfan Gaffar. And the Vancouver Canucks, who have been full value for so many of the results this season, Irv, but they took their lumps in this one, and they got to own it. This was a team letdown start to finish. Just couldn't generate much. Finally got a goal in the third period. You thought maybe that was a little bit of life for them. And then they give it right back with their first shorthanded <laughs> goal against of the season. And uh, in the end, it's 4-1 Philadelphia. And that uh, reflects the way this game was played. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, sometimes the Canucks this season have won ugly. Yeah. They lost ugly <laughs> against the Philadelphia Flyers. It just wasn't a good game from the very beginning. I mean, we're going to obviously dive into everything, but you don't win a face-off until the final, what was it, three minutes left in the first period. Sam Lafferty was the only guy they got killed in that statistical category. They got killed in a lot of other categories, and it showed. I really don't know where it was or to put my finger on. I'm interested to hear what the coach is going to say about this game, but Philadelphia was just a way better team in every aspect. All four lines are better. The only good line that was going was the good line that's been going for the Vancouver Canucks, and that was the Garland line. And beyond that, Jeff, Casey DeSmith, we know he was okay in the first period, and then the collapse in the second period from that team was just basically the story of this hockey game, just an ugly one. Scoreless game through 35 minutes. And I know Rick Tockett has talked at times about being comfortable in these situations where there's not a whole lot going on. We saw them play a low event game in Minnesota at the start of that last road trip, and they ultimately lost that one in a shootout, but they got something out of that game. And here you thought, okay, maybe it's going to go down to the third period without a goal being scored in this hockey game, but the dam broke in a big way. <laughs> and in a strange way, if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, if they came into this game, the worst power play in the National Hockey League, and on the road, just two power play goals all season. They've got a terrific road record. They've got a great overall record, which how when you've got the worst power play in the National <laughs> Hockey League and one that's only scored two goals on the road. But of course, it's the power play for the Flyers that opens the scoring. Some question about whether Tyler Myers deserved the interference penalty, but... Uh, he makes the play, puts the call in the hands of the referees. They signal him. He's no stranger to the penalty box. We know that. And the Flyers go to work on the power play. A bit of a seeing-eye shot from the point from Igor Zamula through traffic past Casey DeSmith. That opens the scoring. And again, one nothing if you're the Canucks. Not a big deal the way that they can and have generated offense all season long. But before they knew it, they were down 2 nothing after uh, a nice play by Owen Tippett to get a puck across to... Sean Walker, who had jumped up into the rush, and he snapped it past Casey DeSmith, and the Canucks looked a little shell-shocked. And less than a minute later, <laughs> uh, not sure what Nikita Zadorov was doing in his 600th National Hockey League game. <laughs> I'm guessing he has had many better than this one. It was a tough night for him all around, uh, but particularly as he tries to skate the puck out of his own zone, runs into traffic, turns the puck over, and Joel Farabee off to the races on a breakaway. And he beats Casey DeSmith, and it goes from scoreless to 3 nothing Flyers in the span of two minutes and six seconds. And really, there was no coming back from there for the Vancouver Canucks. Again, a team that can generate offense. And but you get on the board 25 seconds into that third period, yeah. you thought, all right, the comeback has started. But uh, the shorthanded goal was an absolute dagger for the Vancouver Canucks. There were some twists and turns between their goal and the, the Flyers' shorthanded goal. We'll certainly get to all of that. But yeah, I mean, you go back to the first period— 
first game out of the Christmas break, maybe expect it to be a little bit sluggish and a little bit sloppy. Both teams practiced here in Vancouver yesterday. Canucks had a full morning skate and almost looked like more of a practice as they were trying to get their legs under them. Same lineup as uh, they used uh, aside from the goaltender in that 7-4 win over San Jose just before the Christmas break. So it wasn't about chemistry and, you know, fitting new pieces in and those types of things. And yet they just couldn't get, I mean, neither team in the first period could complete a pass. Like, it was ugly, ugly hockey. And I'm sure the Flyers on the road, they're fine getting out of the first 20 minutes in a scoreless tie. And John Tortorella hockey, yeah. we get that. And we all know we lived through it a decade ago. But, uh, you know, he just gets his guys to work hard. There's no stars on this team. Travis Konechny, their leading scorer, is a very good player. But he left this game. And you just look at nine different guys find the score sheet for the Flyers. 14 different guys figured in the scoring in their last game in Detroit in the game before Christmas. So, again, they don't lean on one or two guys, but they get contributions from here or there. And, you know, Garnet Hathaway, a role player, a bit of a tough guy, plays with an edge, but showed some scoring touch as well on that shorthanded goal. That uh, I don't know if it was the turning point in this hockey game because, for me, I go back to the six-minute mark of the second period. Again, the game is begging for something, anything, in the way of offense and some entertainment. And the Canucks power play gets an opportunity. Gets its second opportunity of the night. There were overlapping penalties in the first, where neither team had the full two minutes to work mm -hmm. with a man advantage. But the Canucks got their first full power play six minutes into the second period. A chance to take the lead, put the Flyers back on their heels a little bit. And that first power play did absolutely nothing. And so when I look for turning points in this game, the fact that a Flyers power play that's dead last scored on the Canucks and the Canucks had a chance with their yeah. power play and all their star power, and they did nothing with it. And again, that was just kind of the, the theme of this night. Yeah, I just didn't like the start, to be completely honest. You know, you win that game before the break. You have the break. You're at home. This team flies across the country the day before. To get here, I mean, I know the practice, whatever. You have two shots ten minutes into this hockey game. Yeah. You're at home, like what? I, I just and it's been it's so funny, Jeff, because you and I have done a lot of these together. Now they stink in the first period when you and I do them. It's <laughs> it's wild. There's been a few where they just haven't they haven't come out. They haven't played well. They haven't they didn't shoot. There was no energy really from the team coming out of the break. And I get it. There might have been a little rust or whatever. And you know you saw the workout yesterday that they did at practice with the push ups yeah. and the skates, trying to get the gravy out of you or whatever it was. But, man, they were sluggish. And for a hockey team that went into the break with so much praise and so everyone saying, oh, my God, the Vancouver Canucks are this, that, and the other, they were the complete opposite against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now people are going to look at this team and say, are they really that good? Look, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt that even bad losses like this one, and it's their second bad performance yeah. against Philadelphia. The Flyers sweep the season series. They're done with the Flyers, so they don't have to worry about that. But... I do think the Canucks have earned the benefit of the doubt that one loss doesn't mean the sky is falling. They have shown an ability to bounce back after other losses. I mean, just their 10th outright loss, 36 games into this thing. They're 23-10-3. They're stuck on 49 points, a missed opportunity to move back to the top of the point parade in the National Hockey League. I, I know there are doomsdayers, and, and look, I've covered this. We both covered this team for the last decade. I get it. I understand why this fan base is scarred, but I do think this team is different, although... You know, this is now three straight games where they have given up four goals. Mm -hmm. And Rick Tockett with his non-negotiables and his staples, <laughs> he admitted before the game in the morning skate that, you know, reviewing the film of the Dallas game and then uh, against San Jose, giving up four and here against a Philadelphia team that doesn't score an awful lot. Tockett admitted that, you know, he's seeing some slippage. And again, we talked about the Zadorov breakdown. There were others in this hockey game. And so I don't know if you go right back to the drawing board, but... The schedule slows down. 
they do get this break now. They don't play again, <laughs> again. until uh, January 2nd. I mean, this last break, players scattered. This time, Tocchet gets his guys here. You almost think it might be a sort of middle-of-the-season training camp light. Uh, again, this is a team that's 23-10-3. They've done a lot of good to get here. But I referenced that Minnesota game at the start of the road trip where they had trouble breaking down the wild, a team that doesn't give up much. And then you get a Philadelphia team that is locked in and playing reasonably well defensively, although their last game was a 7-6 shootout loss to the Detroit Red Wings, so maybe everybody had kind of left for Christmas holidays a little bit earlier in that one. But this is a Philadelphia team that is 8-1-3 and in its last dozen hockey games, so uh, they're earning these results. But this is the thing for the Canucks in the second half of the season, and they're not quite at the midway mark, but the second half of the schedule is full Mm-hmm. Of some of the best defensive teams in the NHL. They haven't seen the LA Kings yet. They haven't seen the Boston Bruins yet. They haven't seen the Winnipeg Jets yet. They still have to play teams like Vegas three more times. These are the types of teams you're going to see in the playoffs. You're going to see a top half of the league team. And you get to be a top half of the league team by playing well at both ends of the ice. The Canucks are going to have to figure out how to break down some of those opponents. And so I do think that there are some... Some lessons, certainly, that they they have to take out of these games. And again, maybe the break comes at a good time. Whatever the case, you know, I go back to turning points in this game. So down 3 nothing after 2, not in a great situation, but we've seen this team score a lot of goals, mount comebacks. I, I didn't think they were out of it when that line, Teddy Bluger scores, extends his point streak to 7. Who else would <laughs> get the, the Canucks into this game? You know, it's 3-1 to one with 19 and a half minutes remaining. Yep. And then Sam Erson, who's become a nice story there and looks like he's wrestling that net away from Carter Hart, leaves the game. We later find out it's dehydration, so hopefully nothing serious in that regard. doesn't sound like it will be. But Carter Hart, you know, he hasn't played since before Christmas, wasn't expecting to play, gets thrown into this game two minutes after the Canucks score. So they've got some life. Plan A should be against a cold yeah. goaltender coming into a game where you feel like you've got a little bit of momentum, and you talked about it earlier in that first period, and we saw it here again, shoot the puck, test him, make him, make some saves, Irf. Yeah, I made eight, and that was all he needed to do, right? And none of them, in all reality, maybe one with the left pad was a difficult one, but that's about it. And you and I talked about it when we were watching this, saying, shoot the puck. It's not that hard. (laughs) Shoot the puck. It's the name of the game. You know, good things happen when you put the pucks on net, but the Canucks... They just didn't do it. And it was one of those things. Like, you look at this team. You talk about not giving up much. Three goals in the National Hockey League should win you games. Flyers are 15-1-3 when they score. So they don't give up anything. Yeah. And, and right? And three goals for this team with this roster, when you look at it, it's probably pretty hard to come by. But for a Vancouver Canucks team that scored as many as they have over the last little while, I think that their record, you know, we talk about they've earned themselves some losses, but when you're being talked about as the cream of the crop of the National Hockey League, you have to be able to be criticized like you're the cream of the crop. Like You should be able to come back in this game. You should be able to score goals, and that's kind of the way it didn't go for the Canucks tonight. Well, I, I just, Erson leaves this game at yeah. 2.36 of the third period. So the Canucks are on the board, a little bit of life. Then they get a power play. And before they can even muster <laughs> a shot on the power play... Off the faceoff, puck gets poked past Quinn Hughes at the blue line. Quinn turns, and Ryan Paling, who can fly, you know, races down the boards, gets to him. They go with the four forward set, and Brock Besser is yeah, the lone tough. man back. And what a season he's had, but guess what? He's not a defenseman. You saw why on that play as Garnet Hathaway gets around him, and Brock's kind of caught in no-man land, and uh, Hathaway gets the shot. 
DeSmith makes the save. He can't ask the goaltender to do a whole lot more. Makes a great A off Hathaway the first time. The rebound comes right back to him, and he pots it there. So instead of the Canucks operating with the power of play, testing Carter Hart, peppering him, maybe getting the goal that gets him within one, and then you got the bulk of the period, and instead it's a shorthanded goal at the other end of the ice, 5-0-1 of that third period. And that was it for the scoring. 4-1 is the final, and the Vancouver Canucks suffer their fourth home ice loss, outright loss. Uh, they're 13-4-1. They've lost now to Philadelphia, to Jersey, to Vegas, to the Seattle Kraken, and the New York Rangers beat them in overtime back in October. So they have been very good on home ice. They have taken care of home ice, but they weren't good enough in this hockey game. And so, you know, for a team that is trying to reestablish culture and identity and all those types of things, they can't just sweep this under the rug. Like, there were too many parts of this game And I saw somebody in social media, and we'll get to some listener feedback a little later on here uh, on this program, but somebody said, like, enough's enough here. You can't just rely on this third line. It can't be your only line. And essentially, on too many nights recently, that third line has basically been guaranteed to generate some offense. And then you're hoping that you get something from, you know, the de facto top two lines or the power play. And obviously that didn't happen. And, you know, when you're winning – you can mask some of the issues mm-hmm. elsewhere when you lose like this. You know, now is a good time to point out the fact that JT Miller hasn't scored a goal in eight games. He has one goal in 10. And two goals are in his last 16 hockey games. Yeah. And yeah, he's picking up points. And points are great. But there are also some times in games where, you know, you need your leader to be the guy, the spark plug, to to spearhead some sort of, you know, offensive movement here. Again, he has, you don't get to third in the NHL scoring race without putting up points, but he's also paid to produce in other ways. It can't just be assists on the power play. Quite frankly, they need a little bit more from JT Miller right now. Oh, I agree. I I totally agree. Especially now, because you're going to look at his contract and say, okay, well, what's he doing if he's not putting the puck in the net? Yes, he's putting up points, secondary assists. When their power play was on a heater and as crazy as it was, yeah, those are where a lot of the points were coming from for a guy like JT Miller. But five on five, they haven't been good. That line hasn't been good. You know, we saw kind of the Hoaglander going to that line and being that little spark plug there for a little bit. But that since obviously dropped off. Brock hasn't scored, obviously, in in a little bit. I mean, you give him some leeway as well. He's got 24 goals on the season. But maybe it's time to break up that line. Maybe it's time to reunite 649. It's interesting because I, I didn't think that I thought Pedersen was okay in the first period. And then I think that in the last little while for Elias Pettersson, it's been a little bit of a tough going here. I like the way he plays defensively. I like the way he plays on the penalty kill. He's got a lot of that, but I don't know. There's something about me that's saying maybe he's focusing a little bit too much on that and not doing what Elias Pettersson does, and that's put the puck in the net. Yeah, I mean, we focus a lot on Andre Kuzmenko because he's been in and out of the doghouse, had scored, though, in three straight home games had that chance in the first period off the rush mm-hmm. where I thought Petey was in a great position to shoot in the slot, elected to slide it over to Kuzmenko, a right shot on the left wing. Shot was blocked, but still a, a decent look. And as we touched earlier, there weren't many decent looks for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, maybe that was a sign of things to come. But when you look at Kuzmenko's night, you know, almost 16 minutes of ice time, close to 12 minutes at even strength, but just one shot on goal, two others that uh, were blocked. Uh, Canucks ended up out shooting the Flyers 27-25. Out shot them 10-5 in the third period, although it didn't feel like a 2-1 shot margin in that third period, and they each scored once. So certainly not a whole lot of solace if you're the Vancouver Canucks. Try to hang your hat on 
Uh, the fact you know, shot the Flyers uh, 10 to 5 in that uh, third period. You know, special teams, Flyers uh, handily beat the Canucks. They went one for three in the power play and and then scored the shorthanded goal as well. So Canucks special teams have been good for much of this season. But uh, again, there's just been points in games where you believe that that power play, even if it doesn't score, you want to think that it's going to create some momentum, get the the fans into it, not happening there. And so I don't know where you go. The component parts are are there. I just think it's those guys that have to figure it out. You're not going to make yeah. changes, sweeping changes to that power play. Those are the same guys that uh, out of the gate, the first 15 games, basically unstoppable. We're scoring once every three power play opportunities. And uh, oh, what a power play goal might have done in the early stages of this hockey year. It almost seemed like it looked like they, they took a look at that roster that they were playing against and they were like, really? Even though their record is pretty good, they took a look at that roster and said, we should be able to beat these guys easily, no problem. But they problem. got schooled by the Flyers. They put up 42 oh, shots on them back in October. So if they're thinking that, like, shame on them. Well, it's because the way they've been playing lately, yeah. right? There's just so much. They, they've been dominating teams. They've been playing this way. But you, they just look at it and say, this should be an easy win night for us. They have flying across the country. All that in. I think that was kind of the mindset going in because they didn't look ready to play from the get-go. What did you make of the decision to start Casey DeSmith in this one? I thought it was weird. A little bit. I get maybe the extended time off, but if you're going to go to Smith after all this time off, like I get you want to rest Demko, but then we should expect that Demko plays a lot of hockey over the next little while. Like he should be wanting to get the brunt of the starts. He should be wanting to be in the net a lot, unless we don't know. Obviously, he's battling something or there's something going on or maybe sick or what have you. That's the only thing where I could say that maybe he just didn't feel right coming out of the break. And they're like, OK, we can afford it here. We can give you another day off. I hear you. And yet I try to take my cues from the way that they practice. Mm-hmm. And they've got a practice goalie this year. If that Drew Demko, you know, even a little tickle in his throat. Give him the day off mm-hmm. practice. Let the practice goalie come in. Demko was a full participant in practice. And then morning skate as well. I do wonder, again, I think we all get caught up in the big, bold numbers. And Thatcher Demko, I mean, I think he's tied for the NHL league lead in, in victories this season. You know, getting a lot of shine for Vesna favorite. Vesna, and all yeah. Earth, he's got a sub-900 save percentage in the month of December. When you think of the connect, his record is 6-1-1 in December. And his save percentage is 897. And when I said that there was slippage, you know, Rick Tocca didn't name names, but the fact that he gave up the four in Dallas, and I didn't really love any of those goals, quite frankly. There weren't bad ones, but in a tight game like that, you just you want to believe that he can be a difference maker, and he has been for much of the season. But I wonder if this was some sort of message to Demko, if this was, again, they're just looking. And Tocca talked about playing the long game here, and I understand that. And DeSmith's been good. Like, yeah. I, you know, in his last three starts prior to this one, he'd given up three goals. He gives up four on this night. And, you know, look at the goals. I mean, the Zamula one through traffic, doesn't see it on the power play. The Walker goal off right wing, I guess you'd like a save in that situation, but it was a nice shot, sort of posting in. Farabee on a breakaway, and then, you know, not much he can do on the shorthanded goal. So I, I, I'm i not pinning this on Casey DeSmith, but, you know, the fact that he'd given up three goals in his previous three games and then gives up four here tonight, even he came crashing back down to earth. But the point being is this offense has bailed the goaltenders out on a handful of nights here. And I just think that Thatcher Demko hasn't been at his very best the last couple of starts. So if this is a chance for him to totally refocus and reset, 
you know, the Ottawa game, and then they head on the road for uh, a lengthy season high seven game road yeah. trip, and they are going to need goaltenders. They're going to see some good teams out of that road trip. I kind of thought that DeSmith might get the game against San Jose before the break to extend Demko's break and then give him this one. Mm-hmm. But it is weird with the schedule. Game here on the 28th, then again, they don't play now until January 2nd, and then they pack their bags and head out on the road. So, yeah, I, w- I would think that uh, you will see Thatcher Demko get on a bit of a run here, but he's going to have to hold up his end of the bargain as well. Again, not laying this at the feet of the goaltending, but when you give up four and three straight games... You know, there's room for improvement in the goaltenders as well. Yeah. Demko's given up three, four, and four in his last three starts. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously, I mean, I think that that's one of the things, especially of late for this hockey team. Um, they can score with the best of them. And, and that's been proven at all this season. We, we talked about it before the third period started. Like, this team can score. Yeah. Right? But it's unfortunate when you get into the position where, you know, the shorthanded goal obviously comes back to bite you there. You're not playing well on the power play. And the goaltending, yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to say that there might be something wrong with Demko or, or a little bit of a break, but I'm, I'm obviously not sold on that yet. But it's just, it's it's an interesting one as to why Dismiss started tonight. Maybe it was the extra break, but like you mentioned, if the, they've got an extra practice goal, like why is he even practicing then if he's not going to play? That, that's kind and it. look, this just speaks to heightened expectations here. When you're a team that's 23-10-3, and 3, I mean, it may sound like we're throwing darts at uh, the goaltenders. The goaltending's been terrific for the Vancouver Canucks, but part of the reason they have that record is because the goaltending has been better than their opponents on a lot of nights, and it just it hasn't been that way of late. So maybe a blip here in the middle of the season in around the holiday break. The Canucks have to be hoping so. I still think they believe that they've got one of the best one-two punches in the National Hockey League. 100%. And look, they're seven, one, and two in their last ten games. Yep. But the problem is, is that when they the way that they lose games is that that's where you look at it and say, wait, hold on a minute here. You can dominate teams, but it's the way you're losing these hockey games and not being ready to play and not playing the f- cliche of full sixty minutes, and that and that's the reason why we're having these conversations. Yeah, and the game before Christmas, I mean, seven four over San Jose, but yeah. it was a sloppy. Ugly game. The fact the Sharks got four on them. You kind of get caught up in the fact, well, the Canucks scored seven, not a big deal. But you don't want San Jose scoring four on you. Chicago with three in that uh, game, the second game of the road trip. It was back-to-back for the Canucks. I get that. Uh, Still, they just, the last little while here, they've been grinding out results, and that is great. But as Rick Tockett and pretty much any coach will tell you, it's all about the process. And I just think that they do have higher standards now than they've had in recent years and for the last couple of games at the very least. Don't think they have played to the level that they want to. So back to work here. It'll be interesting to see how many consecutive days of practice when the next day off is for the Vancouver Canucks because they had that compressed schedule before Christmas. It seemed any day off was a true day off. So I think Rick Talk and the coaching staff kind of rubbing their hands with glee here right now <laughs> uh, because there will be some practice and uh, some things to work on, certainly for the Vancouver Canucks. And yeah, I mean, I come back to that uh, top six. Uh, again, just kind of out of sync for whatever reason. And uh, you do wonder if if they're going to tinker. And we've seen this before. Down goals trailing. Nils Hoaglander got pulled off that line with Miller and Besser. And they went to Pia Suter. We saw Suter play up higher in the lineup with Pedersen when Kuzmenko was a healthy scratch. Does Pia Suter get an opportunity perhaps to play with JT Miller and Brock Besser for a prolonged stretch? I guess uh, we'll have to see how they line up here at practice. Uh, you know, they got some good news at the morning skate with Carson Soucy back around the group. And he said he was close. 
And the fact that they don't play now again for a bunch of days and they're going to have some practices here, we may see Carson Soucy in the lineup the next time that uh, they suit up on the 2nd of January. Or maybe he just uses these practices to get right up there to the level and then uh, maybe comes back out on the road. Whatever the case, Carson Soucy is going to be back here. And as long as uh, everybody else remains healthy, when Soucy gets the green light, I mean, this just doesn't happen in professional sports, but they are going to have a completely empty sick bay, which, yeah. uh, you know, you got to strike when the iron's hot there as well. And, and they've done a pretty good job of that uh, for the most part this season. But they didn't in this one against the Philadelphia Flyers. They fall by a score of 4-1. to one. Teddy Bluger, the only goal, is fifth of the season from Joshua and Hughes, 25 seconds into that third period. A lot still to come here on this episode of Rinkwide Vancouver you're going to hear from the head coach. You're going to hear from Quinn Hughes as well. We'll get some listener feedback. We'll get our three-star selection, the stat that stands out on a night like this one, and this being the final game and final show uh, for Rinkwide of 2023. Irf and I are each going to pick our favorite moment <laughs> from the last 12 months, whether that's uh, the tail end of last season after Rick Tockett took over or uh, something from the early going here, 36 games into this one. But we won't go through a full year in review, but uh, we'll each pick a moment or a game or something that stood out above all others. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. But right now it's time for our Betway Bet of the Day. And I'm looking at the Rangers going down to Sunrise, Florida on Friday. Rangers, slight underdogs on the road. You can get them at 2.05 on the money line We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, Canucks are off, as we said. So they're going to be doing some scoreboard watching. Not necessarily that game, but I'm sure they were doing some scoreboard watching as well as those two teams that they're battling with in the Pacific Division. Uh, when at it down in Vegas, the Golden Knights coming out on top 3-2 to two over the Los Angeles Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, winners in San Jose, not a surprise there. So uh, the Oilers gain some ground on the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Vegas as well, but the Kings, a regulation loss. I suppose if you're the Canucks, uh, some good news there that it wasn't one of those three-point games. Uh, points weren't exchanged. Vegas beats Los Angeles in regulation time. We should mention as well, Betway, our Betway bet of the day must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. It's Jeff and Earth with you, breaking down a 4-1 Flyers victory over the Vancouver Canucks. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Well, we have uh, had our say here on what went down at, yes. uh, at Rogers Arena tonight. Want to hear from the head coach. You can imagine that Rick Tockett not thrilled with what he saw from his hockey club. And uh, we talked about a you know, sluggish first period and the fact that even though it's scoreless late into the second, the Canucks still in very much in a decent position in the hockey game. And then uh, the quick three-goal explosion for the Flyers certainly turned the game in Philadelphia's favor. So you can imagine that Rick Tockett didn't like an awful lot of what he saw in the second period, but really... Uh, his concern was what he saw in the opening 20 minutes. Yeah, bad first period. We weren't invested. They were. Uh, they came at us and we didn't have any push. Then the second, I thought, just came back a little bit. And then that five-minute explosion, right? Those three goals. Huge mistakes. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, no push. <laughs> Basically no push from his hockey club. And, and he is not wrong. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right about that. I mean, look, two shots in the first 10 minutes. Again, there was, yeah. they just weren't ready to play. And I think that that's... Whether you point point on the coaching staff or the pinpoint the break or the players or what have you, they just weren't ready to play this game tonight. Yeah, and then uh, also remarked on the, the huge mistakes. And there were some breakdowns, certainly, 
He didn't name names, but uh, we did talk about Sidorov uh, trying to stay. You just can't. Like, leave that to Quinn Hughes. Maybe Philip Hironik, but yeah. uh, Nikita Sidorov, you know your role. And he's been pretty good uh, about playing his role since uh, being acquired, but not sure what got into him there. But that one blew up in his face, certainly. Rick Tockett also asked about, uh, and we talked about this too, try to break down some of these opponents that play a certain system and know their style and and are committed to it. And certainly John Tortorella has his team buying into a way that uh, they are going to have success. And Rick Tockett just said that, look, it's only going to get tougher from here. And his guys, they've got to understand that. It's time and space, but owning that space, you know, and it's winning a battle. It's um, boxing out. It's, um, you know, making a smart play. It's getting the puck in deep and getting on the forecheck. It's good. That's, that's the hardness of the game. It's not... You know, the game's not played with, uh, you know, one or two steam bolts, take your time. It doesn't work that way. And I, I you know, listen, you know, it's, we're all disappointed in the loss. We just got to make sure that this doesn't, you know, fester. That's all. Sounds like the coach is watching a little football there over the uh, the holidays. <laughs> two steamboats. Don't let it fester. We've given the Canucks credit for that, that they have been good. They have responded. Now, the last time they lost to Philadelphia, they got shut out to zip, went to Tampa and lost, but they played a whole lot better in that game, had some urgency, and got it down to the final minute. They got the goalie out, and they scored, and it was a one-goal game, and they thought maybe they'd have another chance to to tie it. You know, And then, really, from you think about that, they moved on from Tampa down to, to Sunrise. They beat the Florida Panthers, and that got them on their, their first real run of the season. So we'll see how they respond. I think uh, they've earned the benefit of the doubt and they've got a few days here before they get that chance. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not, but Ottawa next up here on the 2nd of January. Let's hear from the captain as well. Quinn Hughes uh, was asked about that frustrating style. They saw it back in October. They saw it here again as the Philadelphia Flyers uh, hold the Canucks to just one goal. They outscore the Canucks 6-1 to in the season series. They take both games against the Canucks. Quinn Hughes on the frustration of playing this Philadelphia team. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, so this morning they got a good team and um, they play a good style that fits them. And I think he's going to hit it on the head there, just kind of waited for us there in the later parts of the second. But there's nothing we can do now. Just continue to keep pushing and um, there's a lot of games left. So that's, that's all I'll say about that. I like the big sigh off the off the top, yeah. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, I, I thought that was really interesting. His choice of words there, where he says they play a style that fits them, and I think I know what he's saying there. But look, to each their own. Like John Tortorella's not blessed with a ton of star power, yeah. but uh, he squeezes the most out of uh, the guys that he's got and spreads the scoring around. And they certainly got enough of it uh, to defeat the Canucks by a score of four to one. I mean, anyone can go look at that roster on the Philadelphia Flyers and. It's not a it's not a really sexy roster, Jeff. No, it's when, you, not. when you look at it, there isn't anyone that really jumps off the page at you. But uh, definitely jumped all over the Canucks on the ice. That's definitely what they did. And you know, it's unfortunate for the Canucks. It's one of those things. But they're going to have to correct it, and they're going to have to correct it quick because when you're the Canucks and you have the record that you do, and you're getting attention around the National Hockey League right now, you're going to get the opposing team's best game every single night. And I think that that's where the Canucks have found themselves in. It's a luxury to be in because you are that good, but you have to be ready for the team's best every single night. It's funny because we've seen the Canucks have a, a number of slow starts, even though they generally open the scoring. Like I think back to the game at home against Minnesota where it took them 15 minutes to get a shot on yeah. goal. I mean, there were some similarities to that game in this one, but ultimately they did open the scoring that night. They beat the Wild 2 nothing for whatever reason, just out of sync, just never really recovered. And so... Well, again, they got what they deserved on this night. There haven't been many like this one. We'll see how 
they respond next time out. It's time for the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection of this hockey game. And as we look at the three stars selected in the building by the Sportsnet panel, Joel Farabee is the first star, Sean Walker the second star, and Teddy Bluger is star number three. I've got Farabee at the top of my list. He had a goal, the breakaway goal, after Zadorov turned the puck over, made no mistake, walking in, scores his 12th of the season. He also got the second assist on the power play goal that opened the scoring. So he was the only flyer that had two points. Again, they spread their offense around. It was tough to pick the stars in this (laughs) hockey game because I think there were a number of flyer players that put forth the kind of effort that would get them some consideration. But Joel Farabee with a goal and an assist. He is the first star in the rink and here on rink-wide. Garnet Hathaway, we're going with him as the star number two And I think it speaks to the fact that he's a fourth liner, he's a role player, he's a guy with an edge, but he's also out there killing penalties and scoring what turns out to be the dagger. It's not the game winner, but there was no coming back for the Vancouver Canucks after, you know, not only they give up the fourth, but a shorty at that. It's just so deflating in that moment. And so for a guy like Garnet Hathaway, he's got a role to play and played it to a T. And so we've got him as the second star. And then I went with Philip Ronick. I know Teddy Bluger scored. It would have been easy to throw a little love his way, and good for him. He's up to five now. He's extended his point streak to seven games. That line has been incredible this month for the Vancouver Canucks. But Philip Ronick had five shots and ten attempts. I mean, he was doing what he could to to generate some offense from the back end. He didn't figure in the scoring in this hockey game, but thought the effort was there. I know he was on the ice for the second goal that uh, Walker scored. What a play by Owen oh, Tip of the diving yeah. pass there to knock it across to an on-rushing Sean Walker. And so, yeah, Hironic and Hughes were out there together for that goal. But but when you look at the underlying numbers on the night, the shot attempts were 24-8 to eight in the Canucks' favor at even strength with Philip Hironic on the ice. The actual shots were 13-4. to four, So yeah. ice was tilted, and that's what you want from Hughes and Hironic. And most nights that has meant something for the Vancouver Canucks. It didn't in this one. So Ferry, Hathaway, Hironic are the three stars here on Rinkwide Vancouver. Still to come on the program, we'll take a look at the stat that stands out. It's a good one involving Queen Hughes. We've got uh, some listener feedback as well. We'll dip into our social channels and see what the, the people had to say about this one as well. This being the final game of calendar year 2023, Irf and I are just going to pick out a moment that stands out over these last 12 months involving the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, stick around for that. Plenty still ahead here on Rinkwide Vancouver. Four one, the final at Rogers Arena. Flyers beat the Vancouver Canucks. Rinkwide Vancouver. It's Jeff and it's Earth with you. We'll get to some listener feedback here in a sec. We always do the stat that stands out on uh, each and every one of these broadcasts. Usually it's a Canucks stat because they've racked up the goals and the offense. They did score once, and Quinn Hughes figured in the scoring. That's not a huge surprise. This definitely a stat that stands out. With the assist now, Quinn Hughes has 35 assists through 36 games. So basically an assist a game uh, pace that he is on. He's up to 250 <laughs> career assists now. Earth. He became the third fastest defenseman in NHL history to reach 250 assists. Only Bobby Orr and Brian Leach did it faster than Quinn Hughes. Hughes got to 250 faster than Paul Coffey, Gary Suter, Dennis Potvin. I mean, those are the three guys that are now right behind Quinn 
Hughes. So uh, his incredible season continues. He can't do it all, but uh, he does figure in the scoring tonight. So uh, up to 250 career assists for Quinn Hughes. Yeah, I mean, you run out of things to say. Superlatives, uh, I'm at a loss uh, just because he's been the stat that stands out on so many nights here for us on Rink Wide. Well, it's wild because after Leach, like you look at it, there's probably two or three generations of hockey before Quinn even got to even playing hockey. So you say that there wasn't anything that happened. Guys weren't even that good for a couple generations. And then this kid comes in and he's just guns a blazing and taking over the league by storm. And you mentioned it. There's not enough words to describe just a play of Quinn Hughes. Um, Unbelievable. That stat is absolutely wild. 250 assists in 319 (laughs) games. Bobby Orr did it in 309. Brian Leach did it in 309. 11. So there you go. Quinn Hughes, uh, again, putting himself in uh, pretty damn elite company around the National Hockey League. All right. To the listeners we go. Some feedback here. Uh, M. Smith, the Canucks completely checked out after the Flyers scored that first goal. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that two-minute segment. Uh, three goals and, you know, goes from a scoreless game where not terribly entertaining, but uh, you're in it, obviously, and and you're on home ice, and you'll want to believe that you've got the weapons that are going to generate the offense necessary, and from 0-0 to 3-zip in the blink of an eye. So, yeah, I mean, to a degree, there wasn't much pushback there as the Flyers scored once, twice, and then third time. Fed up Canuck says, Besser with the worst effort of the season by any player. That seems pretty harsh for a guy who has done nothing but, but like the, the lamp all season long. Just one shot on goal for Brock, uh, 16 minutes and 59 seconds of ice time. Two other attempts that did not hit the mark. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, we said, didn't look good on the shorthanded goal. Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere to hide. Even he would tell you that not his finest moment uh, of the season. But but I'm not sure that that uh, is in the running for the worst performance by a Canuck uh, all season long. That seems a little harsh. No, I don't think it's the worst. But there, there's definitely, I, it wasn't pretty. The shorthanded goal just wasn't. I mean, it just that just wasn't good all around. He's not, like you mentioned, he's not, you know, trying out to be the Canucks next Canuck right shot defenseman there. It just no. wasn't, wasn't a good look. Uh, Cody says the fact they couldn't win a faceoff, connect on passes, yeah. or win a board battle, that's why they didn't win the game. Yeah, uh, passing, it's funny. I mean, these are the best of the best. They make crisp passes through traffic in their sleep, and and then you get nights like this one where it just an absolute— it just had to, the labor to put a puck on a guy's stick. It was, uh, it was incredible. So, again— uh, it's probably too simple to chalk it up to Christmas break. It was Christmas break for both teams. The Flyers, they weren't a whole lot better in the early going, but ultimately they made the plays that they had to to win this hockey game. Walter says, looked like Keystone Cop Adventure turned it off in disgust after the third Flyer goal. Well, you didn't miss an awful lot then in uh, period number three. <laughs> Lemonade's Hubby says, very soft. Wondering if we don't like strong grinding teams, kind of like the playoffs will be. And I think that comes back to the point that we talked about a little bit earlier, that you get to the playoffs and it looks like they're headed in that direction. You know, the bad teams drop off and you're going to match up against better teams, good, stingy defensive teams. And, you know, you might run into one of the top penalty killing teams. And if that neutralizes your power play, then, you know, you damn well better be better at five on five than the Vancouver Canucks were in this hockey game. So alarm bells and panic buttons. No, some red flags about, you know, the style of play. I think it's fair to, Mm -hmm. to suggest that. And again, I just come back to the fact that the the second half of their schedule is full of really good challenges. Now, 
you know, when the Canucks are on their game, they're a really good challenge for any opponent in this league. So it does cut both ways, and I want to make sure that I mark that, but they got to be a whole lot better uh, than they were in this one. Mark says, are they finally coming back to earth or just some bad bounces? Again, one loss. I I'm not buying the sky is falling with this hockey team. I'm not. But as we try to analyze it and look at some of the things, are there trends, are there you know, patterns, yeah, defensively giving up too much right now, and certainly the top six and the special teams, those are areas that they're going to have to to work on here. And maybe it's a good thing that they've got all this time to do it. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave Travis the, the last word here on this portion of Rink-Wide. Frustrated top six group, power play completely off the rails, mistakes all over the ice, practice is going to suck. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'll be curious to see the tone of practice when, you know, after the Jersey game, uh, when they made a bunch of mistakes and gave up six and I thought Rick Tockett was going to crack the whip and we'd see one of, you know, a tougher practice and called off the dogs, gave them the day off. It was, you know, pat on the back instead of a kick in the, in the butt. There's nowhere to hide though with all of this practice time here. So yeah. I will be curious to see the nature of the practices, the tone, the length, the types of drills, all those types of things, because the coaches have some opportunities here to stretch this over a handful of days. So we appreciate all the contributions as always. So keep those coming after every game that we do here. Love to get into the inbox at uh, the social channels at Rinkwide Van. All right, our final game for the Vancouver Canucks here in 2023. Final post game. Yeah podcast for us as well, but uh, looking forward to what's to come in 2024. And of course, the payoff looks like it will be the postseason and uh, they've set themselves up nicely here, but uh, hard work ahead. No question about that. That said, 2023 was an eventful year. Obviously, when you think back to Bruce Boudreaux got to coach 10 games, the first 10 games of the calendar year, won two of them. We all remember the night of his dismissal against the Edmonton Oilers, something that uh, you know we just haven't seen with a coach tearing up behind the bench and the... <laughs> Fans chanting his name and dead man walking. And then uh, Rick Tockett uh, is hiding behind door one, essentially, and uh, trotted out the next day. And, you know, from that point forward, things have started to look up for the Vancouver Canucks. Tockett had the 36 games down the stretch. There were some that wanted the bottom to fall out so that the odds were better in the Bedard lottery. But you can't go back and uh, change history now. So uh, they elected to... Allow Tockett to put his stamp on this hockey club uh, over the final three months. They got Thatcher Demko back and healthy and up and running, and he looked like Thatcher Demko of old, and it did translate. They hit the ground running here, obviously, and people that have uh, been listening to us and have followed this team know the story that you know gets them to 23-10-3 here, 36 games in. So they're not quite at the halfway mark. Five games still to go before they reach the midway mark of their schedule, but uh, we will be flipping the calendar here shortly, so... You know, a chance to reminisce, and I'll leave you uh, the floor here. What jumps out at you? What stands out? What was sort of that one thing or moment <laughs> yeah. that uh, you know that catches uh, your attention? Well, I'm going back to January, and it's not the Bruce behind the bench cheering up. It's Jim Rutherford, and it's that press conference when it started with Tanner Pearson's hand injury. Oof. That just led into the press conferences of all press conferences. I mean, you were there. I, I, a lot of people were texting me after from around the National Hockey League, people that I know saying, did that really just happen? And it set the tone, I think, for what this team was going to become 
and where they're kind of the direction that they were going. Major surgery needed. I need to stop talking. The media was making too much of things. Like there was so much in that. Flanked by the doctors. It was unbelievable, yeah, Jeff. It really was. It really was. Like, and it, it, he just went off. And I think you just sat there and, you know, I went back and watched it because we talked about this. I went back and watched that thing in its entirety. And oh my goodness, there was some stuff in that that you just go back and say, wow. And I think now going back to that press conference, obviously Jim is kind of of I mean, recently he did his media tour a yeah. little bit here, but he's kind of been behind the scenes a little bit. But let Patrick Alvin do what he does and do what they did. And then in the summer, you know, they little bit is a little bit of a surgery there. Nothing too too major. You get defensemen, you know, and then you obviously I mean you trade um Bo Horvat last year right after that as well yeah you know because you weren't going to sign him and he basically said that there as well so for me i think that that had a lot to do with where they are now but that was my moment where if i have to look back and say if there's one thing it was that press conference it wasn't on the ice because it went a lot lots like on the ice last year but it was definitely that for me you uh, i'm just going to correct you in one thing that i i wasn't there oh sorry. there were issues yeah but oh those, yes sorry. those have been resolved yes so uh you know i, I think for me I, I go back to the night of November 15th, you mentioned Bo Horvat. Uh, the Islanders came through Vancouver. Canucks were down, and I was thinking that game in my head here as they got the goal against the Flyers, and I thought, are we going to see another third-period comeback? There's lots of time. And they did it that night, and Quinn Hughes with a signature moment, the overtime game winner, you know, just walks in, basically calls his shot, and just <laughs> looked so confident in that moment. There was never a doubt that he was going to score. And the moment for me came an hour or so after that game when the National Hockey League updated its scoring race and three Canucks sat one, two, three, yeah. tied atop the NHL scoring parade, all of them with 26 points uh, through 16 games. And it just signaled to me like they had, there had been a lot of winning already. You were thinking that something felt different about this group, but to have the top three scorers for a night at the end of play, after a comeback win like that one, just things that we haven't seen, obviously, uh, with this team, and certainly uh, not since Daniel and Henrik were at the top of the scoring parade. But, uh, you know, that was two guys. This is three, three for a night here. And, you know, they've been passed, obviously, but uh, still all three of them, Miller, Patterson, and Hughes, having incredible seasons, and Brock Besser with his 24 goals. So there's been a lot to chew on. It's been a lot of fun. You hope that the real fun is still to come. And again, they have put themselves in position with so many victories in the early going that they could absorb a loss like this one. And the one thing that they've been really good at is responding, correcting, making the necessary adjustments. They haven't allowed losing streaks to uh, build and grow to concerning lengths. And I think back now through you know, 36 games, there was concern when they alternated wins and losses there for 10 games and essentially went 500 over a, you know, two or three week span. If that's the lull, then this team uh, seems to be on the right path. But uh, yeah, there's some things to work on after uh, this loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. It's nice to see Marcus Naslund in the building. Yes, it's got a massive, massive standing yeah. O and then was interviewed in the in-house on the Jumbotron in the uh, first intermission and uh, hasn't aged. Looks like he did when he left town as yeah. a player. But yeah, it's always good to see Nazzy back in town. I know he's doing a signing event uh, out in Langley uh, here over the next couple of days, and I'm sure that will be popular as well. So uh, yeah, it was nice to see the response and the reaction from the fans to the former captain, Marcus Nasland, back at Rogers Arena. We're going to be back at it on January the 2nd. So this is it for the calendar year 
Uh, but uh, lots of hockey ahead. So uh, looking forward to what is to come. And as we said, hopefully the best is, is yet to come for the Vancouver Canucks in calendar year 2024. If it's been fun getting you on board here and involved <laughs> with uh, Rinkwide. And uh, looking forward, you'll be back for that first game of the 100%. new year. So uh, we won't have the opportunity uh, between now and then. But uh, you know, make sure you all take it safe out there. But uh, enjoy yourselves. And uh, happy new year to all of the Rinkwide listeners. Thanks for your support. In 2023, we'll be back with our first pod of the new year on January 2nd when the Ottawa Senators come to town. For Irfan Gafar, this is Jeff Patterson saying thanks once again for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. <laughs>